from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put your Lord God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you, O Christ. You may be seated. It is written. Our Gospel reading today is a really good example of how Scripture, how the Bible, can be misused. Because even the devil can and does quote Scripture in order to convince and persuade, in order to tempt us away from loving God and loving our neighbor. In our Gospel reading today, as we begin this first Sunday of Lent, we follow Jesus into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, where he gives up food for the time we might give up chocolate in this season, and afterwards, unsurprisingly, is famished. It's in this moment, in his hunger, in his seeming vulnerability, that the tempter comes to him. And first, the tempter invites Jesus to use his power as the Son of God to simply provide for his basic needs. But Jesus isn't tempted. Jesus quotes scripture, saying, It is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so the tempter, the devil, whatever you might call him, catches on. And from this moment forward, he begins to quote scripture, Taking Jesus to the very top of the temple, he says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against stone. And Jesus comes back with his own scripture. Again, it is written, Do not put your Lord God to the test. And this goes back and forth once again. The devil quoting scripture, trying to tempt Jesus away from God, tempting with power and scripture and the kingdoms of the world, for it is written. And Jesus likewise responds with yet more scripture, pushing back against the temptations. It reminds me a lot of the ways in which debates around inclusion and welcome have gone in churches and denominations. Someone quotes Leviticus. Someone quotes another part of Leviticus to rebuff it. Then we end up talking about Paul's letters and then about the Gospels and we keep going back and forth and we never come to a space where we actually hear one another. 
At my internship church several years ago, I was asked by those who were part of the LGBTQ plus community to lead a Bible study on what they call the clobber texts. Those texts that are often used to clobber people from the LGBTQ community to tell us that we are not worthy, that we're not welcome, that we're wrong for just existing. And I think at first the group was kind of hoping that I was going to be able to give them some clobber text to clobber back with. They were hoping and they were disappointed because the truth is that if someone has decided that the only way to interpret scripture is in their idea of a literal sense, no matter how many times you point out that wearing a mixed cotton blend is also considered an abomination in Leviticus, the going back and forth of proof texting is not going to convince anyone. As Lutherans, we come at scripture from a multitude of interpretations, namely that scripture is inspired, breathed into word of God, and as Martin Luther puts it, the Bible is the cradle that holds the Christ child. The Bible is where we find Jesus. And so my Bible study with that group at my internship church ended up being story sharing. Stories from scripture and stories from our own lives. For every clobbered text, we found dozens more verses, chapters, books about God's love, about God's creating us and knowing us before we were even born, about a God who doesn't make mistakes. The devil uses scripture to tempt, to make it about the individual only, to give power and control. And Jesus uses scripture to point to God. To God's caring provision, bringing life with God's word. To God's faithfulness, that God's faithfulness shouldn't and doesn't need to be tested. To God's authority over and above any power or authority we might gain, no matter how tempting that might be. As I think more about the way in which we can misuse scripture, I think about how often it seems as though when scripture is used to keep power, it's often power over others. The devil in our gospel reading is trying to convince Jesus to use power over creation, over life, over the nations, and Jesus cannot be tempted. But I think often scripture has been used to create or keep power over others Scripture has been used to justify slavery, racism, classism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, pretty much any prejudice you can imagine. At some point, someone has used words from the Bible to justify it. And our reading from Genesis today is one that has been used in such a way to justify putting women below men. This story many of us know so well of Adam and Eve in the garden of a crafty serpent and his temptations. There's no scripture yet for him to quote, but the serpent in our reading quotes God. When the serpent begins to talk to the woman, he asks her what God has said about the trees in the garden. And what's interesting to me anyway is that in our reading, God commands the man. God tells Adam about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that he shall not eat from it. And I wonder if somehow in the translation, when Adam goes to share that information with the woman, he leaves out the fact that it's the tree of all knowledge of good and evil, because she just describes it simply as the tree in the middle of the garden that they're not allowed to eat from. And when the serpent quotes God and gives a fuller picture of what the tree can do, that temptation that she never felt before becomes real. The trust is broken. The trust between the first two humans and the trust between the humans and God 
This is a story of temptation, of trusting in our own abilities over that of God's caring provision, of trusting someone quoting God over God's own faithfulness and love, of trusting our own authority and seeking our own power or knowledge over God's authority in our lives. Most scholars in the last couple hundred years don't think that this is a story about how women are less than because of this one woman's mistake. But I have seen and I have heard Genesis 2 and 3 used to tell women that they must be subordinate, that they must not be leaders, that they cannot be trusted. I have seen and felt the misuse of this scripture, and it hurts. Amen. When the word of God is used to harm, used to put down, used to create power over others, it is no longer about God and it becomes so hard to find Jesus there. For Paul, even going back to this story from Genesis, in our reading from Romans, he invites us to recognize the free gift of grace received through Jesus. For Paul, Genesis is not a story of subordinate genders or punishments, but of humanity's failure to trust in God, and in that brokenness, how sin and death came into the world. Paul describes sin as coming into this world through one man and that death came through sin. Sin is temptation, brokenness, our unwillingness to trust in God's caring provision, that God is bringing life with God's holy word, to trust in God's faithfulness, that God's faithfulness shouldn't and doesn't need to be tested, to trust in God's authority over and above any power or authority we might gain, no matter how tempting that might be. And although this started with Adam with a serpent in the garden, continuing all the way to that wilderness place with Jesus debating scripture with the tempter, Paul reminds us in Romans that scripture, the Bible, dating back to the beginning and to the present and to the end, tells us about the free gift we have received. For it is written, for if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. For it is written. And we're not Jesus? Surprise. You might not know that. We're these humans who face temptation often, temptation for power, for control. Maybe we can't turn stones into bread, but we do fail to find God's gift of grace in God's word of life. We do sometimes struggle to participate in God's caring provision by helping to provide for those in our community who are in need, who are famished. We do sometimes test God. Sometimes we struggle to trust in God's faithfulness. And sometimes power and control, even in little pieces, can be so tempting that we fail to trust and serve only God. We find other things, other people to put our trust in instead. Sometimes we find ourselves picking and choosing the scripture verses that make us feel right or wrong, not the verses, the chapters, the books, the stories that point us to God, to God's love for all creation. But for every time prejudice or power, selfishness or mistrust get in the way of our relationship with God, there's Jesus in the wilderness, famished, hungry, and willing to stand against any temptation for us. Jesus takes all of our temptations, all of our failures, all of our struggles to the cross to defeat sin and death. Jesus dies and rises from the dead because death does not have the last word. 
For it is written that through Jesus Christ and his resurrection, we too will receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness through the one man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So that we can put our lives in God's authority over and above any power or authority we might gain. So no matter how tempting we might be, we can know that God is in control of our lives and is calling us to share in this creation that God has put us in. So that we can trust in God's faithfulness, that God's faithfulness shouldn't and doesn't need to be tested, but that God is with us and for us and calling us together in the world so that we can participate in God's caring provision, bringing life, not harm, with God's word, and being called by God's word to care for those who are famished, who are hungry, who are in need, so that we might go out in the world sharing this, this gift, this grace, this love with others, sharing the joy we find in scripture, the joy of abundance we receive with all people, so that together we might say, it is written, and find hope for all people here. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.